Welcome to another Dragonland Saga review episode. It is Bakugo Frost Cult the 8th. My name is Adam and today we're going to give you the spoiler review of the Gates of Thorbarden, spoiler of a very old novel, uh, by Dan Parkinson. Now I would like to take a moment and thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the link in the description below and remind you that you can always pick up Dragonlance Game materials using my affiliate links. Those are also in the description below. Alright, so if you're coming here for the first time, the way these work is that I'm going to give you my pre-written review that I wrote as I was reading it and uh, just sort of riff on characters, ser uh, narrative, setup, stuff like that. The setting, impact on other aspects of the saga. Uh, and then, of course, if you're joining me live, throw something up in chat about your thoughts about this novel or something Dragonlance, and we'll just sort of riff a little bit on that. It is Friday. Let's have a little bit of fun. And if you're watching this after the fact, let us know in the comments if you have read this, what you thought about it. And if not, why? Why haven't you read it yet? <laughs> All right. Again, this is just my perspective. If yours differs, that's life. And I'm okay with that. Share yours in the comments. All right, so here we go. We are immediately introduced to the plot in an interesting way. Apparently, a mountain dwarf named Chain Feldstone is having recurring dreams about finding the Helm of Gralen, though he doesn't know what or where it is, only that he must find it. He tells the female dwarf he's into, named Jillian, about it, and she believes him and tells her father, Slag Firestoke. Slag does not want Chestall anywhere near his daughter, as he wants her to marry up in class, not down. So he pretends to help Chain, but the troops sent uh, with him end up beating his ass <laughs> and stealing his stuff. Uh, setup complete. So, Chain is seeking out a helm that he's dreamed of, and no one likes him. Then we're introduced to his resourcefulness as he lured a mountain cat into a cave to kill it. While he is butchering it, a kender named... Oh, you know what? I had named Chestall earlier, but that's actually the name of the kender. Chain is the name of the dwarf. So Chestall thickets away, wanders in and hangs out in order to eat some of the cat that Chain kills. Chain tells him that he's on his way to Waykeep Valley and Chain is headed that way as well. It presents it as a mysterious place that wizards won't even approach. Now, we know that Chain needs to get to Skullcap, so I wonder how he's going to get there if he's going through Waykeep Valley, which is not in the right direction. But um, in any case, they find a talking bird, <laughs> and as they follow the bird, cats, more cats arrive hunting them. I want to sort of put a pin in my review and just sort of talk about this whole cat thing real quick because we're going to get a reveal here in just a minute that these cats are actually beholden to an Irda. Now, this Irda doesn't actually have a name. It doesn't have any sort of semblance of anything except for maybe it's female, but they're not really sure. And it seems to be all-knowing and able to control all of the cats all around. Now, this is an Irda who lives right next to the north gate of Thorbarden, which is a weird place for an Irda to live, considering lots of creatures live there, and Irda are supposed to be, like, hidden away on a northern island somewhere. But what you're going to learn about this novel is that the author took a lot of freedoms and did whatever he wanted in the sandbox. And normally, I would say, that's a good thing. And for the majority of this novel, it was a good thing but it soured pretty quickly. And when it did, it did it hard, which is upsetting because I really wanted to like this novel. 
All right, so as Chain and Chess flee the cats, they come across ancient gnome machinery from the assault on Gargath's Keep. That's right, Gargath's Keep, i.e. the Greystone of Gargath, that Gargath. They found his keep where the Greystone was held, and all of this ancient machinery is still there. It's still there from like the Age of Dreams. Has no one ever walked through? So the setting of this is like 200 years after the war, um, the Cataclysm. So it's before the Warlands, after the Cataclysm. No one in those 5,000 years have ever wandered through this valley? <laughs> no one. Okay. So Chain decides to make a hammer and sword <laughs> from this machinery, as one would want to do. Uh, because, of course, you know, he was beaten up and everything was stolen, so he doesn't really have anything. So he's wearing like this cat pelt as clothing, and now he's going to create a forge and make his own hammer in order to make a better hammer from the remnant uh, gnomish machinery. It's creative, right? So while Chess goes off and explores, Chess is the uh, kender. So Chess comes across an unactivated spell from the Dwarfgate Wars and then ends up naming it Zap later on, which I kind of find hilarious. A red robe wizard named Glen Shadow the Wanderer approached Chain, somehow knowing his destiny, and he guides him to the Irda. Chess meets up with both of them and the Irda and explains that uh, the Irda explains that the two gems that held the gray gem, the Spellbinder, which is still affecting the valley, which is the reason why Zap hasn't gone off yet, and Pathfinder, which is the helm of Gralan, kin to the last king of Thorbard and Duncan. She also tells Chain that he is a descendant of Gralan. It is his destiny to use the helm to hide the North Gate of Thorbarden, which has been abandoned since the Dwarfgate War. Now, already we have a couple real big problems. First and foremost, the third spell named Zap that Fist and Danilus cast during the Dwarfgate War didn't work because Spellbinder was there. But Spellbinder was there for the first two spells, so why did they go off? I don't know. No answer. Didn't even question it. No one even brought it up. That's the first thing I would ask. Oh, well, that's weird. Uh, how did the other two work? <laughs> There's zero logic in this novel, and the more you look into it, the less logic it has, and the more infuriating it is because you didn't ask the questions about the logic inconsistencies, and you just get pissed, like I am. Okay, so that's the first problem. The second is, they never say what entrance, and they're constantly talking about how the northern entrance has been um, sort of abandoned ostensibly, because after the cataclysm, there's a bunch of problems um, with accessing it. But that's not actually the gate, which we'll find out here in a, sh a minute here. That's not actually the gate that he needs to collapse, which then begs the question, how did the North Gate end up getting collapsed later on? Because that was a real big problem later on, is that the North Gate was shut down, and so they had to find the South Gate, which the Helm of Gralan helped them find in Dra Dra Dragons of the Dwarven Depths and in the modules. So already this is messing with consistency of the universe here which always bothers me because this is early on and it's already been established. So, so why mess with it if it's already established? All right. So meanwhile, Jillian, who is the best part of this novel, she's an awesome dwarf, 
is not content to let Chain wander around, and when she finds out that her father screwed him over, she beats up one of the ruffians who abandoned him and makes him draw her a map of his last known location. She doesn't just beat him up. She beats him up and chains him to a rail, like Snidely Whiplash, if anyone remembers the Rocky and Bullwinkle TV cartoon. <laughs> like, she changed him to this thing, basically like a train station. And she's like, look, you're going to die unless you tell me where Chain is. And he was just like, no, okay, here, here, here. It was just great. She's awesome. At the same time, a human trader named Win uh, Wingover and an elf named Garen Windesthalus. I swear, any author that adds Thalus to the end of an elven name is doing it because it's been done before. They never think that maybe they have different last names. Maybe Thalus isn't necessary on every elven name, especially when you start it with Windus. Because there's nothing more uncomfortable to read than Windus Thalen. That is a mouthful of a word that is frustrating and stupid. I'm nitpicking at this point, but it, it's that bad. So they're separately traveling to a town called Barter as well. Wingover comes across Garen as goblins are waiting in ambush and he helps defeat them. They end up capturing the last goblin to question it as goblins are not supposed to be this far south, which again is news to me because I thought goblins were everywhere. Uh, and the goblin says that it worked for Darkmoor, his commander, before a spell ends up killing him. After saying the Darkmoor name, apparently he had like this in inner trigger inside of his body that if he said the name of his commander, he would automatically be killed. Literally, that's, that's the explanation. So, then Nuitary eclipses Lunitary and Solinary and is seen as a sign that danger is coming to Kryn. Now, this is a couple hundred years after the Cataclysm, so there should be another 150 years before the War of the Lands. But they're already talking about High Lords roaming the land and amassing armies, and Darkmoor is working for Verminard, or is implied to be working for Verminard. And so I'm not 100% sure is the exact timeline that this book is set in. Which is really, again, frustrating because it's constantly referencing High Lords and it's referencing armies amassing in the north, which was the exact same thing that was told to us 150 years later when the Heroes of Lance met up in Solace. The human and elf head to barter as they come across a gnome named Bobbin, pulling a flying machine. He enlists their aid to get it flying and they meet with a master trader, Rogar Goldbuckle, Rogar enlists Wingover to help Jillian find Chase, and they all help Bob Bobbin fly his glider, which he's unable to get to land. At this point, the glider bit is kind of funny, and it's kind of fun. This is an insane gnome who his machines work more often than other gnomes, and so he was kicked out of his gnomish community because of it. But it stills a gnome, so he can't land the thing, which is like an, an ongoing gag. But even that sours quickly, which I'll get to in a second. Then the next morning, they head out to find Chase reluctantly. They come across the Commander Darkmoor and Goblin Army and leave as Garen, the elf, stays back in order to kill any straggling goblins because he hates goblins. Again, if goblins have never been in this area, why would the elf hate goblins? He had never presumably come across them before. But then Solace was built because of the raiding goblin armies. So goblins do come here. So why is it so strange that goblins are here? 
They come across a hungry bobbin still flying on the currents of the Calchists. And this is a recurring thing. He is constantly going away and coming back over and over and over again. He's always hungry. He's always asking for raisins and cider. Weird combo to have a craving for, but everyone has different things they like. I like lasagna. He likes raisins and cider. What are you going to do? Chain, Chess, and Glen Shadow with Pathfinder, the gem, are now off to find the helm of Growlin, as Chess is tormented by Zap, constantly complaining about not being able to go off. The spell actually is talking. The, sp the one of the three spells that Fist and Daniels cast, the last one, which didn't go off, has generated its own personality over these, I don't know, hundred years? Like, when was the Dwarfgate War? It was after the Cataclysm. So, like, it, it can't be more than, like, a hundred years from now. Everyone's act acting like it was, like, a long time ago. For Dwarven lifespans and Elven lifespans, that's nothing. All right. So Garen takes out a significant portion of the goblin force, but is ultimately caught and tortured. He's actually hamstrung and put into slavery. Kalanda Darkmoor, the captain of this goblin uh, army, the commander, is trying to hold this valley between Pax Tharkaz and Thorbarden for the oncoming force, which leads me to believe that she is working for Verminard because he's the, red, the high lord of the red dragon army that then inhabits Pax Tharkaz. Glen Shadow, the wizard, leaves Chain and Chess to get away from Spellbinder so that he can communicate with the Towers of High Sorcery. Apparently, he is help <clears throat> he's uh, here helping because the remnants of a renegade wizard are still around. At this point, everyone in this novel is assuming that it's Fis and Danilus because who else could it possibly be? Everyone reading this novel. Um, he needs to destroy this remnant wizard so it, can, uh, so it can't help the goblin force spoiler alert it's not Fissendanalus that he's looking for there is another remnant dark one they actually literally call him the dark one too which is what I always thought they called Fissendanalus but his name is Caliban so not as powerful as Fissendanalus but it's easier to say so he ultimately meets back up with Chain and Chess who continues through the frozen warriors um, there's like this one of the, one of the two spells that Fisdanalus successfully cast was ice, and it entrapped all of the Nidar dwarves and the dwarven army and the the, uh, the Thorbarden dwarven armies in active combat during the um, Dwarfgate Wars. It froze them all. So this is a different narrative than the legends, and this came after the legends, which makes it even more perplexing. Because ultimately, there was a massive explosion which killed everyone because Fisnan is trying to go into the abyss. That's never actually mentioned in this, the abyss part. It's only that he cast spells and that they didn't work. And then some of the spells blew up as a sort of final retribution, killing only Gralin's group of dwarves, which were assaulting um, Fisnanus himself. So it's a totally different version of events. Which, again, is weird. So, um, they ultimately meet back up with Chain and Chess, who continue through the Frozen Warriors and head towards Skullcap. In route, they come across a mass migration between, between Plainsmen and Nidar Dwarves, uh, leaving the Goblin Incursion, and Chain and Chess face off against an ogre, which they narrowly defeat, ending up burying it under a bunch of rubble. They group up with the refugees for safety for the night. 
Meanwhile, Chess wanders away and is picked up by Bobbin in his sore wagon, as he calls his glider, for the night. Um, they fly off to Wingover and Jillian and report where Chain is. Chess leaves with the group as the gnome flies off. And I had initially liked the gnome as an invention, but they describe it acting like a helicopter more than a glider, which it is. A glider, not a helicopter. They're, they're constantly referencing in this language of saying it hovers in the air, but it can't land. I don't think he understands that flying objects require something called lift. They can't hover. They're, it needs something to cause it to hover. And a glider, which is ostensibly an air, a paper airplane that you throw, cannot just hover in the air and then willy-nilly take off on its own. It's like it's a UFO or something. And it's only when it's convenient. It's very frustrating to read. It makes me really hate this author. So, um, let's see. Either the author doesn't know the difference between a glider and a helicopter, or he's just using it situationally convenient uh, in order to have it hover, but not land, which is, again, an asinine and devoid of creativity idea on the author's part. So go all in on the concept and have fun with it, but don't use the convenience to wave away logic. It makes reading it frustrating. So they all group together at a refugee camp and plan to head to Skullcap for Gralin's helm. And this is all to destroy a hidden entrance to Thorbarden, not Northgate, which was my earlier uh, guess. They were discussing how to get across the goblin-infested plains when Jillian wanders off into a cave, is taken by an ogre, then runs from him, and then kills him. The ogre, to chain buried, finds the cut-up ogre and pl uh, plans with the other goblin armies to ambush the heroes. That night, the goblins come, and the heroes narrowly avoid them all, though some of them are hit with some like poison bolts or something, and uh, the floodwaters come. The waters don't actually do anything other than allow them to help uh, escape, um, and they continue running off. Meanwhile, the goblin commander, Kolanda, is trying to position her army between the heroes and Skullcap, and she's convinced that they're headed there, and she also wants those gems. So Bobbin is unable to land still and won't until the end of the novel. And the dragon from the eastern mountains near Sanction arrives confronting Bobbin. But his sore wagon is so erratic that the dragon is actually unable to destroy it. He's actually unable to even attack it, which is another insane thing. It's flying around as if it's a UFO. Like it's just boop, 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 It's so stupid and so the dragon which can't kill this thing ends up just giving up he's like well i can't really have anyone survive after seeing me because no one's supposed to know we're out here but i can't really catch you so peace and he just leaves like seriously so they had like a half a chapter of their chase and then they just give up like well, well i can't catch him so i'm just gonna you know hope he doesn't tell anyone <laughs> what the stupidest goddamn thing I've ever read in my damn life. <sighs> so, the dragon is like shooting its breath weapon of fire after this sore wagon that it can't catch. And part of that flame hits behind a goblin army that's sneaking up on the refugees who went to the frozen army area to get all their weapons out of the ice so that they could then fight the goblin army. 
Well, the dragon burns the ground, which melts the army, which stops the frozen dwarves from warring with each other, and they all instantaneously defrost, realize they're still alive, stop fighting, and face the goblin army and kill them. If you're frozen, let's just pretend that you can freeze and then be unfreeze and still be alive. Let's pretend that's a thing. So you unfreeze in mid-battle with your hated enemies that are assaulting your home. And the first thing you do is stop, assess the lay of the land and situation, and you're like, hmm, let's stop warring with each other and get these goblins here that you literally just found out about because you just defrosted after, what, a hundred years of being frozen? <laughs> so stupid. So why would the frozen dwarves defrost immediately? And then why would they immediately stop fighting each other and then kill the goblins, but ignore the refugees? Weren't they frozen in combat with each other so that when defrosted, they would still be in combat with each other? It's so illogical. And yes, I realize that I'm talking about a fictional story here, but I like a little bit of logic in my stories. So the dragon gives up trying to kill Bobbin when it releases the, uh, when it realizes that the gnome can't land and just goes on a rendezvous with Kalanda Darkmore. She tells him that she has everything in order, controlling the valley for the coming High Lord, and the dragon remains dubious about it after having seen the goblin force spread so thinly. She insists that yes, she has it in control, and then she leaves, returning to her force in the Plains of Death. The Irida returns to the heroes in the guise of a panther just to drop off food, and then disappears again. For real. If you're going to help them, why aren't you part of the heroes that are traveling? Why not do that? We just need a catering service. This is the DoorDash for dwarves. So let's just do it that way. So <laughs> um, Chess tries to rig a pole in order to give food to the gnome when he flies by for the next time, but he nearly falls off a cliff when he tries it. They eventually get him back, and the gnome now has the pole dangling from the sore uh, yeah, sore wagon as it stops and hovers, and, which is the language the author uses, not me, and then flies away again. The heroes move to the bridge, which allows them to travel to the Plains of Death, and Wingover convinces Chain to stay where he is and that he will go to get the helmet. Okay. Chain has been having recurring dreams his whole life about going to find this helmet. He is compelled by the spirit of his ancestor, Gralin himself, to go find this helmet. They get to a bridge, and this rando ranger human is just like, look... I know this is your life quest, but ah, look at this guy, huh? I think I can do this better. So you sit tight. I'll go get the helmet. And Chain is like, yeah, okay. Go. I don't mind waiting. <laughs> this is your destiny! The Iron Ogre literally said it's your destiny! And you're just going to hand it off to some other guy at the last final act of the book? It turns out that the helmet isn't even in Skullcap, but rather under some rubble at the base of some random hill. What? What about the module that places the helmet in Skullcap? What about the story, Dragons of the Dwarven Depths, which places it in Skullcap? What about the cover of the artwork of the book 
that shows Growlin opening a chest and pulling out the helmet with the, um, uh, I'm sorry, chain opening up and pulling out the helmet with the ghost of Growlin hovering behind him. None of it happens. It's all BS. It turns out that the helmet isn't in Skullcap, but rather in some rando hill. Um, and it doesn't matter much anyway, because the wizard Glen Shadow has already found the helmet when Wingover arrives. So think about that for a second. We start the book with Chain going on an insane quest to find a helmet that may or may not even exist in order to stop a war that may or may not even come to pass because no one knows about it. And then the rando wizard shows up and he's like, yes, it is your destiny to find this helm. Let me go with you so I can find it too because I need to find an ancient wizard that is trapped somewhere in the area. So he goes along with it and instead of helping him fulfill his destiny, he just finds the helmet himself. He's constantly leaving the party because he can't cast spells with the gem that Chain is, uh, you know, has, the Pathfinder gem. And so he goes off for the helmet himself, and he finds it himself without anyone else. Why didn't you just do that in the first place? Why did Chain have any destiny at all? If the wizard could just show up out of nowhere and find the helm in the middle of nowhere. And here's the worst part about it. You didn't even need the helm at all. The whole point of finding the helm was to destroy the hidden entrance into Thorbarden. But the helmet doesn't destroy it. The third spell that couldn't go off destroys it. Okay, so. Wingover arrives, but... Glen Shadow the wizard is frozen in place as he picked the gem out of the helmet, which then freezes him in place like it did the gray gem. Wingover then takes the gem out of his hand, puts it back in the helmet, and the wizard can move again. Kalanda is communicating to the dead wizard Caliban through a thong of leather that she keeps in her shirt. This is the worst part, everyone. You thought I was losing my mind before. Just wait. She pulls out this little leather strap that the essence of Caliban is trapped in this renegade wizard. Um, they should have just used Fisendalis because the spirit of Fisendalis is in Skullcap. Like, it's in there in the modules. You could have just used him. So anyway, she pulls it out and she, uh, this uh, spirit of Caliban is like, ooh, I sense a wizard. We must destroy him because he tried to destroy me and I need, must have vengeance. And she's like, you'll listen to me, wizard find them. I need to get all those gems that they have. Why? I don't know. She just thinks they're interesting. And so that's what she's going after. She has literally no reason to do it other than the author wants someone else chasing for the gems. So <laughs> this is so bad. So she wants him to help her kill them so that she can complete uh, access. Um, I'm sorry. She wants him to help her kill them in order to give him complete access to her heart for power, because that's what he needs to survive, like Mrs. Dallas or something, she rips open her shirt so her breasts are hanging out in the open air, so that the leather is dangling between her boobs. I'm 100% serious. This is in the novel. Now, I'm not a prude, and I don't kink shame. Whatever two or more consenting adults do between themselves is totally fine with me. But this is the most ridiculous turn of events ever. What, the thong needs to see outside of her shirt to find the wizard? 
It was already against her skin in her shirt, so her tits have to be swaying to and fro for the dead wizard to do his work? You can tell that a man with the sensibilities of a child wrote this, because there's no universe, any fictional or non-fictional universe, where a woman talking to a leather strap with the soul of a renegade wizard in it thinks that the best way to employ his power is to rip her shirt open and have her tits flapping in the breeze. So stupid. So she leads her army bare-breasted to the bridge and has them attack the heroes who do their best to defend the bridge, hoping that Wingover gets back to them with the helmet. The gnome once again flies by and the kender shoots a glass ball that was holding the power called Zap, the spell that Fist of has unexploded spell in it, to try to dislodge the spear, putting it far away enough from the Pathfinder gem in order for it to go off. As it starts building its power, the ogres from earlier attacks Chain and Chain defeats the ogre. As Kalanda is ready to take the helmet away from Wingover, Garen the elf, who was the slave captured who was hamstrung and stuff, he finds a bow and arrow, shoots it. It goes through the bare-breasted Kalanda's back, through her front, through the leather thong that Cathan was inhabiting, killing them all with one shot, which stops the Des Wizard from attacking Glen Shadow. And Zap goes off in a massive storm as Chain takes the helmet from Wingover and Jillian into the hidden passageway they conveniently found in the chaos of everything happening. And Zap then seals the tunnel off sealing them in, and they are now in Thorbarn. But that's not all. Wingover, Chess, and the Gnome somehow survived the blast. Glen's shadow is not mentioned anymore in the novel again, so who knows if he survived. And Chain and Jillian are now famous in Thorbarden with the helmet. The helmet is in Thorbarden before the Heroes of the Lance can find it in Skullcap, which means that they don't ever find Southgate, which means that Pax Tharkaz refugees don't ever get saved. Don't you think that's kind of important? This is such a ridiculously convenient and hollow ending that I wonder what happened in the writing of this novel. The first four-fifths of the novel were great, but it seemed like the author realized he had to wrap it all up in 50 pages and just shit the bed on the rest of the novel. The dwarves now have the Helm of Gralin and two god gems called Spellbinder and Pathwarden, which are never mentioned again. The Helm ends up back in Skullhap, Skullcap somehow so that the Heroes of the Lands could find it and the players in the modules can find it, which then leads them to Southgate of Thorbarden. And no one ever thought about this novel ever again. I remember enjoying this novel when I was a kid but I must not have thought about it that much. I'm sorely disappointed in this ending, and because it's so bad, I cannot in good conscience recommend it to anyone. This breaks a lot in the saga, and for no reason. It never even pays off the cover art, as Chain didn't actually find the helmet at all. A human wizard did, and then he handed it off to a ranger, who then handed it off to Chain. Why did the wizard even need Chain in the first place? His whole essence, his whole presence, his whole like destiny was pointless because he didn't do anything in the story at all. It's insane. That's my review. It's insane. Uh, hey, Michael, thanks for tuning in live. Happy holidays. Um, oh, man. Seems that some of the authors of these novels just mix and match different Dragonlance elements. Yeah, interesting but confusing for sure. You're all in for uh, creative craziness. I am too, as long as there's logic to it. Hey, Chico, how you doing? 
You love the setting and spent so many hours uh, reading the novels as a teen, but looking back, it's so derivative of each other. The setting deserves so much more. I agree. Hey, Renan. Renan, how you doing? No problem. Let's see. Uh, hope everyone's having a chill evening. The UK. Oh, nice. Well, hello from the UK. This one has been on your to-read pile for ages. I would probably leave it there. Um, if it was a campaign DM, Adam would be going for the total player kill now. <laughs> I totally would. <laughs> Rando wizards and pointless McGuff McGuffins like the last campaign you played in. <laughs> nice. Hey, Albert Watch, how you doing? Um, or Albert Witch, sorry. You remember this starting out to you uh, reading as a kid? Yeah, it stood out to me too, but for the life of me, I didn't remember any of it. I just remembered enjoying it. And now reading it again, I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> this is so out there. So unfortunately, with many authors that contribute to the world of Dragonlance, you can't control the level of writing, like we get with Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss. On some level, this is a shame. Yeah, I agree, Brasco. Thanks for tuning live, though. Uh, you sure you read this a long time ago yet, but you don't <laughs> remember that? I know. It's so strange. Your consciousness probably just chose to block the parts out. Yeah, I think that happened to me, too. Uh, on the other hand, you do get some great Dragonlance novels that are not from Tracy and Margaret. Yeah, that's true. There are some really, really good ones that I'm really... And the worst part about this is this is the period where TSR realized that there is a hunger for books uh, about Dragonlance. And so they just assigned them to authors and just paid them like minimal money, gave them no royalties, just said, here, pump this out in a, in a couple months and then we'll get it on the shelves. And that's how it kind of worked. It was a factory for a long time. And that's why we have such bad writing, bad logic, and just crap for so long. It was rough. Um, on the other hand, okay, so let's see. Yeah, the Gates of Thorbarden caught your attention, but after that, well, here's the deal. It never mentions the Gates of Thorbarden. Why is it called the Gates of Thorbarden? Here's what I think happened. I don't know. I think maybe it was Elmore or someone who, who painted the picture. They had an amazing image of this painting for the front cover. They thought of a name. Oh, the Gates of Thorbarden. And then they just said, hey, write this. That was it. And then he had to make up a story. The Gates of Thorbarn aren't even mentioned. The whole MacGuffin is to find the Helm of Growlin to close the hidden entrance to Thorbarden. Not a gate to Thorbarden, like North or South Gate. It was a hidden entrance in the middle of nowhere, right next to the bridge to Derg or to um, Skullcap. So it's, it's like nothing makes sense at all. It's so crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you like the review, man. Uh, you're supposed to make sense given the background. Yeah, it's just weird. I don't know. I, I really thought I was going to like it. And like this scene, never. It never happened in it. <laughs> totally made up. There's nothing like that in the book at all. Look, there's a lot of covers that we get that are not exactly what happened in the novel, right? But they should be influenced by it. In this particular case, the name of the novel and the artwork on either version of the cover of the novel don't have anything to do with the actual novel itself. I mean, you want to do something fun, have the bare-breasted goblin commander charging toward a, a, um, a freaking bridge. That would at least sell some copies. The, this? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, 
so bad. And it sucks because I remember, like, I'm, there's going to be a, a release of a mail time of me unboxing this next week. I tend to finish them faster than I can get the unboxings out. And uh, um, I know people are going to be like, oh, I love that novel. I remember that novel. I challenge you, if you really think that you loved this novel, read it again. Because I don't think you actually remember it. what's actually there. I think you remember that you should have liked it or that you thought you liked it. But you didn't actually think if you liked it. Because if you did think, you would find so many plot holes and inconsistencies and ridiculousness in this. So many contrived situations that make zero logical sense at all. There's just no way you could like it or enjoy it. Like, and that's the worst part is because the first, the setup of this is great. Some of the characters in this are great. Jillian Firestoke, this firebrand of a, a female dwarf who just really loves Chain for some reason. She doesn't care, you know, damn her father. She's going to go in the middle of nowhere, leave Thorbarden, which people don't do in this time period. She's going to leave Thorbarden. And she's going to find him, damn the consequences. She is like a Ginsu knife. She finds this massive two-handed sword and she just goes in a circle. she That's like one of the ways she kills an ogre is she just spins in a circle. <laughs> and she cuts him into bits. Like that was in this book. How ridiculous is that? It makes no sense, but I love her character because she's just full of fire. Chain Feldstone, I like the concept of him. He's driven by a destiny that he doesn't understand. He's tormented by constant recurring uh, dreams about finding this helm that he doesn't even know exists. He doesn't even know who Growlin is, even though it's his own ancestor. He's an orphan. And so when he goes off in search of it, he's trying to do something that he truly believes is his destiny. And then in the third act, he just gives up and lets someone else take it from him? Come on. Um, Glenn Shadow the Wanderer great setup for the character this wizard who is going into the valley to try to find a renegade wizard's essence that eluded him he went originally when this uh, black robe mage Chestal um, Caliban I'm sorry Caliban refused to join the orders of high sorcery and so they sent a member of each of the orders together to go find him, to either bring him back into the orders or eliminate him. He refused, and so they started attacking him. They almost killed him completely, but he killed two of them before um, this Glen Shadow could escape. And he thought he killed him, but then like little hints have been coming up that the Dark One is alive through their scrying and stuff. Great setup. It's an amazing situation. You've got a renegade wizard. You've got the guy who thought he had killed him coming back to make sure this guy stays down. But he just finds the helm himself. <laughs> he, he's not even the one that kills the renegade wizard. Some rando slave elf did. <laughs> With some rando arrow. Like, it's just so crazy. Like, they have this great setup, but there's zero payoff. Um, the Irda. Why even have the Irda there if it's just a door dash? That's a weird use for this mystical creature. So strange. And the fact that they tied in so deeply with the Dwarfgate Wars and um, the Grey Gem of Gargath, like, that's really cool deep lore Dragonlance stuff, but they never pay any of it off because none of it ties into what actually happened per Legends novel trilogy that has already been released by the time this was released. So I just, it doesn't make sense. 
Last time you read it was in your teens. Yeah, yeah. We are, we're all so much older now, so like memory is not as great as it used to be. You know, I think I remember these books very vividly until I reread them, and I'm just like, wow, I didn't remember any of that. <laughs> Did I really read this? Like, I thought I read it, but apparently I don't remember anything. Anyway, all right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's been a, it's been a hell of a three days reading this book. I'll tell you that. And it's short, too. It's only like 310 pages. I feel like you could have done more with that. Uh, this author, <sighs> I would never read another novel intentionally of his again if this is his quality. This is ridiculous. All right, that's it for my review of The Gates of Thorbarn by Dan Parkinson. What did you think about um, Verminard sending this, um, oh, what's her name? Kalonda Darkmoor and her goblin army to secure the valley between Thorbarden and Pax Sarkaz. It's an interesting setup, I thought, because ultimately they were going to invade Thorbarden and use it as a base of operations. That's been out there for a long time. So I like that concept of it, but she's just like um, a terrible villain. You know, she just can't seem to do anything right except for rip her shirt open like Hulk Hogan. Um, what do you think about this being set so far uh, before the Heroes of the Lance uh, in the War of the Lance, but then referencing the Dragon Army's mustering in an era where they weren't actually mustering at all? Do you mind when the time is so off in these stories that it makes no logical sense? Does it, does it even bother you? Do you just latch on to elements of the story and enjoy that for what it is? Am I looking too deeply into these novels? These are just meant for kids. I don't think they're meant for a co cohesive universe of storytelling. So am I just being too critical? I can accept that if that's the case. Let me know in the comments below, or you can always email me at info at dlsaga.com. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click that like button. It all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. I am not doing the weekly lore videos because I'm doing the... Soul Forge playthrough, that uh, choose your own adventure Soul Forge. I'm doing videos for every little option. So it's taken me a very long time. It is such a labor intensive process. So that's why you're not seeing my the weekly videos. As soon as I'm done with this live plays, um, playlist, then I'll release it and I'll get back to my regular schedule and stuff. But this, it's, it's, it, it's draining my soul <laughs> doing this damn project. It's so, so time consuming. All right, this channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance saga, even when I rail against it. Thank you so much for joining for Dragonlance Saga. My name is Adam. Until next time, Slanjavar. Have a great holiday, everyone.